0: Welcome back to Changing the Times. I'm your host, Josh Dashi, and I'm joined by my colleague, David Ullack. David, we are in our 11th week of dealing with COVID-19 here in the Northeast. John Hopkins University announced that there are more than 363,000 deaths worldwide and over 100,000 Americans have died from this disease in the last four months. The numbers are staggering. 5.9 million cases were reported throughout the world and over 2 million cases confirmed alone in the United States. While professional sports remain up in the air when they're going to return, along with colleges and universities as they are finding ways to discuss uh, how they're going to do it for su- summer and fall semesters. One group that is returning to the workplace on June six is the Catholic church and Archdiocese of Philadelphia, which is set to open their doors and resume services next Saturday. would here to discuss what changes are being made in the church in the in and around the Philadelphia areas. Uh, and how they're going to accommodate new social guidelines is Father Jeffrey Rott from St. Lawrence Parish in Upper Darby. Father, thank you for joining us today.
1: Absolutely. How are you doing today? Good. Good.
0: Father, when did the parish decide to shut its doors in March?
1: I, I would have to double check the exact date, but I believe it was Wednesday, March 17th or 18th was the Last day we were allowed to have mass at 12 o'clock, and then we had to. We never really shut our doors, we just were not permitted to have public uh masses. Could have a funeral, could have a wedding, could have a baptism, but we were not permitted to have keep a public schedule.
0: Did you, um, over the last two months, have you done many funerals? Unfortunately, uh, and have you hosted many weddings?
1: I've I haven't had any weddings, but. We may have had, our deacon may have had one for uh, the Hispanic community. I have only had one funeral on site during that time because we had the restrictions where you could only have 10 or less at the gathering. Uh, But I've had a number of prayer services at funeral homes uh, because having, and that was at the request of the families during this time
2: so so father quick question so obviously with the no in-person masses going on how has your day-to-day activities changed
1: uh well a lot of it is in my place we have an age community and there we have a website but there wasn't much of an online presence or we so what i had to do was i went in our data system i've only been at my parish for about 11 months now i was able to download emails and, and then I called a number of people uh, to, uh, uh, in the parish. I, I sorted some data with the active parishioners and called them, gathered more email addresses, uh, found other groupings of people that were being emailed qu- time to time. And so we developed an email list of about 500 people uh, so I could keep people informed, doing, vi- uh, doing videos, taping masses, and, and just trying to keep people connected to the parish and encouraging people not to forget about supporting the parish during this time and contributing to it.
0: Father, obviously the disease has hit a lot of older patients and I know uh, many of them have a strong you know they're very a lot of them believe in the catholic faith and mm-hmm. how have you how have you interacted with them during these times? It seems I,
1: I haven't had a lot of people that I've known directly uh, that have had the disease the, the virus. I've known people that have known people. Um, we don't have any nursing homes in our parish boundaries. So uh, a lot of the activity that where people are affected has obviously been in uh, institutions such as nursing homes and hospitals. I'm not permitted in the in the local hospital that surrounds me at this point. Uh, but uh, the, the one person I did talk to was in his 40s who had the virus, and I called him at the hospital. Uh, and, and I've asked, I've been praying for other people that uh, we, I've had parishioners or people that work for St. Lawrence that have had loved ones uh, that that have had the virus. So we've kept people in our prayers, but we haven't had as many direct impacts other than maybe former parishioners that are in were in living outside the parish at this point, especially in nursing homes that are outside the parish.
2: So, so, sorry, Josh. Go ahead, David. Um, so, what what are some of the guidelines um, that are being discussed to open the doors on June 6th?
1: Okay. I, we are permitted to have public gatherings again on June 6th. We're permitted to have, and it gets a little confusing here, but we're permitted to have up to 50% occupancy, but at the same time expected to maintain social distancing. So, if the... the if the church holds 800 people, then you could conceivably have 400 people in there. How you can fit 400 in a church that holds 800 and maintain social distancing, I don't have the answer to that. Um, but your families can sit together if they are living together. So they don't have to be six feet apart from each other. So if you have a, a family, they can sit near each other. Uh, we Obviously, we want to, we have to keep up on sanitation, uh, and try to limit music. And We were given some instructions on how to limit music so that way the droplets from singing would be less likely to carry. Expectations wow. are people wear masks in the church. The liturgical ministers, including the priest, are expected not to wear masks, but that's only a couple of people.
0: Okay, well, are the altar boys going to be required to wear masks?
1: They would be expected not to, but if they really want to, they could. I am gonna go with uh, only having one altar server at a at a mass at any given point in time. Uh, if there's not an altar server, I'll be fine without one. So, okay.
2: So another quick question is, you know, you use the words, um, your parishioners are expected to wear masks. Say if I myself was a rebel, you know, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, walk into the church without a mask and still wanna participate in the mask, or math, mass, sorry. Would you turn me away? How would that work?
1: They would be expected to be isolated in a quarter of the church. Uh, Obviously, you have to deal with that when you get there. We will be advertising. Please wear masks when you come into church. Uh, But and and I don't we don't anticipate huge crowds at this point. So at my parish, we have five English speaking masses on a weekend. The average mass this time of the year would get anywhere between 150 to 200 at that time, 130 to 200. Uh, So we would have 750, 800 people coming in, English speaking on a given weekend. The Hispanics have about 300 at their one Sunday mass. We, uh, from other dioceses that have reopened the doors, we don't expect huge crowds at this point. All right, Father, so I'm
0: going to play devil's advocate. um, Because... 55 million people actually watch the NFL draft, which never happened before. And all of a sudden church is now going to be opened in the Philadelphia area. And I can honestly say, I think there's a lot of people that have been praying a lot. This is something new that they can get, go back to. Obviously you see large services at Easter. You see large services uh, on Christmas Eve and various, various religious holidays. Do you expect an increase of, uh, of parishioners because of the doors opening? and it's not somewhere else to
1: go? It's a great question, Josh. The answer is no. We are not expecting uh, that. Think about the NFL draft. It's from the safety of your home, and it was a primetime event on television that didn't surround about uh, news about the virus. It was something to take your mind off of uh, normal daily life, similar to the event with Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Mickelson and Tiger Woods a couple days ago. It was from the safety of your home. I think people are still going to be fearful about going to church uh, for a number of reasons. One is uh, that you're, you're, you're standing still uh, for a period of time or sitting down, uh, less movement. Whereas if you're outside and you're walking, you're moving, uh, but you're going to be around somebody uh, next to you. So you're going to wonder if this person next to me that I don't know, even though they're socially distant, uh, if they are having the virus, I will be in their presence for a half an hour or longer
0: so father so explain to me how will church kind of be as go as normal when we when we kneel to pray because of uh, people where there's still a misconception if if it's uh, if your hands are carrying the surface and you're kneeling whether it's on your knees and you know you're touching the pew in front of you will will parishioners be required asked to wear gloves will there be kneeling in church
1: uh there will still be kneeling in church josh great question now at my church there will not be because we have asbestos in the ceiling tiles of our main church and they've buckled and fallen over the years. Uh, I, we moved the church down to our lower church, which used to be used as a church about 20 years ago or so. Uh, we restored it in the past couple months and we have chairs down there. So we're actually kind of fortunate where we can move our chairs around versus taping off pews. That's that in a time like this will be helpful. Um, but in a typical church, it will not be church as normal because there will be less singing. Uh, People are going to, some people will come up for Holy Communion. Uh, If you come up to receive on the tongue instead of with your hands for Holy Communion, uh, the diocese is recommending us if we are permitting reception of Holy Communion on the tongue, for example, that somebody has to sanitize their hands in between each person receiving. Uh, my church, we are not offering that as an option currently. Uh, So mass will not be as normal. There will be no singing. Uh, The liturgy will look the same. Uh, We will, we are permitted to take up a collection, whether we have a basket at the, at at doorways or whether we, uh, if we, if we have ushers taking up the collection, they have to be using uh, baskets with handles on them. You can't, have people pass around a plate so to speak so every parish is going to be a little bit different as i said we're expecting lighter crowds because people are going to be nervous about returning back and rightfully so they're gonna to have to make their own decisions quick
2: question but we welcome them back quick question so with the lighter crowds are you guys going to be offering your services to be viewed online through a website if, if some, those are those who are afraid to come back inside the church
1: Another good question. We have been offering our services online. I've been taping our services out of our convent chapel because it's smaller. And that way I was able to provide daily and Sunday mass for our sisters. It was kind of a win-win during a time like this. Typically the sisters would come to the church. But now that we're going to be in the church, we don't have live stream equipment. So I'm going to have to make an iPhone or an iPad work, tape it and project it back onto YouTube it won't sound as good because we'll be in a bigger church that echoes versus where we had a small chapel before but yes we will still be offering a uh, a taped version of our liturgy and if it doesn't work for people there's plenty of options there's other parishes that are taping things live streaming ewtn has plenty of offerings so it's not there's not a need for every single parish to offer an online version of their liturgy, but we will do our best to accommodate it. This is a new territory for us because we're going into a new worship space at the exact same time of trying to uh, come back into a normal during a pandemic.
0: Your previous parish, St. Jude, uh, up in Chalfont, Pennsylvania, they had a larger congregation. Uh, how are they handling things and are they will they be doing more services because they they. Do have a bear congregation as well as the Arts as well as Saint Basilica in Philadelphia. How are they mm-hmm. going to be handling things?
1: Uh, Saint Jude is slightly bigger than my congregation. Uh, Saint Jude has 1,200, 1,300 people going to four masses on a weekend, where we have seven, you know, seven hundred fifty, eight hundred going to five different masses. But they will be. They invested due to this generosity of some parishioners into live streaming equipment. And they will be live streaming at least one Sunday mass on a weekend. Uh, and they will have, so they have better technology than I have access to at this point. I'm in a, an area that doesn't have the means that a, a, a parish like St. Jude would have. Um, so that, that's how they will be adapting. They, from the best of my knowledge, they will be offering mass at their normal times, as I will be. And I've said to our people, for example, we will offer all of our normal mass times and evaluate. If we if there's a mass time that doesn't make sense for us to keep during this time because people are not attending, we will adapt. And we will look at things week by week during the middle of this time.
0: So, that's very interesting. David, you had something?
2: I was, I was just gonna ask, is there just um, a common thought or a misconception that you wanna get out there, say, for people that are scared to come back and Just talk about the importance of coming together as a community, you know, for the people. I don't know if that made much sense. It came out.
1: Yeah, I I think people have to continue to be safe, and we want people to come back to mass. We want people praying. The dioceses around the country have not are still allowing people not to be required to attend Sunday obligation and, and the Catholic understanding because Jesus rose from the dead Sunday being the Lord's day, that the expectation of the Catholic church is that one attends mass on Sunday, but that requirement is lifted during this pandemic. Um, so, and that requirement, even though the church doors are open, is still lifted. So we're saying to people, be safe. If you're going to come in, you know, be, have good hygiene, wear your mask and make your own judgment. On receiving Holy Communion, please be understanding if you typically receive on the tongue and don't touch the host if your parish chooses not to distribute on the tongue during this time, please be understanding of that. We're trying to make sure that safety is under is taken care of. So if you're accustomed to having a certain style of music, be flexible. If you're accustomed to receiving on the tongue, please be flexible if your parish is not offering that as an option. And just know that we're doing our best during this this time to trying to find that balance of sacred worship and finding that balance of being safe during a pandemic. We don't want this to see disease to spread to people, that, especially to people that are vulnerable.
0: So, Father Jeff, other uh, religious uh, worships such as Judaism, um, synagogues are not opening the doors yet. Why is it the right time for the Catholic Church to come back in Philadelphia?
1: Because, because of how, uh, what we believe in our theology of the proximity of the Lord to the sacraments. I mean, we believe that the Eucharist is the body of Christ, um, and we and we believe in uh, that it, it is a requirement for us to provide that for us because we believe not just in worshiping God in thought and in speech and in actions, but it's also God's dwelling among us. So the Catholic theology is different in the sense that we believe within the act of the mass that God's presence is among us in a physical way, not just spiritually there, but also physically there because of our understanding of sacramental theology and uh, and and we and the free right to worship at the same time. John Paul II would, had said freedom doesn't mean that we can do whatever we want to do, but what we ought to do. And Worshiping God and making sure that God's presence among us is a priority. And, and, th- and be, because of that, the understanding of worship for Catholics, with all due respect, is different from other Christian communities or other non-Christian communities.
0: Do you think you'll do you think the Catholic Church will have a bigger following because they're the first to come back and open its doors? And do you think a lot of people's faith has grown stronger through this time?
1: Honestly, I'm not, and and part of, I didn't even touch on even that part of the question. I'm not even aware of what other communities are doing during this time. Uh, we, We just know that Delaware, I mean, I guess all the counties within the Archdiocese of Philadelphia will be moved to the yellow stage by June 5th or June 6th or 7th, whatever that date is, and that's why we are opening our doors, because it's permissible under the yellow state. So we're following the guidelines issued by the state of Pennsylvania or working with them. Uh, so I am not even aware of what other religious traditions are doing or not doing. So I can't even speak to that, honestly. Okay,
0: thank you. Father, obviously, you're a big Syracuse fan. Uh, so yep. Who was your favorite Syracuse player growing up?
1: My, my favorite Syracuse player, what sport, football or basketball?
0: Well, we can go either. I mean, David actually roomed with James, James Sutherland. I was at Notre Dame Prep, so... Uh,
1: well, I mean, Derek Coleman was an absolute beast. And then... and Remember, there's always two stages when you're a sports fan. There's a stage where the guys are older than you, and there's a stage where the guys are younger than you. And, and you and you know when you're following college sports, you, you have that point where you're like, oh my gosh, they're now younger than me. <laughs> but... So In my what younger, stage was that? Right now. In my younger years, Derek Coleman was the man. And I would say, you know, after that, I'm 42, 41 years old now, the chosen one. And anybody from Syracuse knows when I say who the chosen one was, who is the chosen one?
0: David, any guesses?
1: I'll have to imagine Carmelo Anthony. Yes. Yes. He was only there one year, got us the title. And so, yeah, Carmelo Anthony would obviously be on the on the other side of that. My, were they're younger than me, Carmelo would be my favorite.
0: I thought it was Mike Hopkins to be honest. with him or Jim Brown, those are my two guesses.
1: But the other one would be Jerry McNamara because Jerry McNamara would not have we, we would not have won the championship without Jerry. Were you was add- the, uh, the little one? So he probably is my favorite Syracuse player of all time, Jerry McNamara.
0: Six threes. He yeah. sealed the deal. He really yeah. did. And he's uh he's still on staff up there.
1: Yeah. So he would be my favorite Syracuse player of all time. But uh, the the greatest of my times, who you had a great affinity for growing up, would have been Derek Coleman, Sherman Douglas, Ronnie Cikley. But yeah, um, but definitely Carmelo um in my uh and and Jerry McNamara in my uh, older years, so to speak.
0: That's a young Jim Beheim back then.
1: Uh, well, young Jim Beheim, Jim Beheim started coaching before I was born, so that was a. <laughs> he, he's still going at it. God bless him.
0: What's your thoughts? What was your thoughts on the season? They were starting to look pretty solid down the stretch.
1: Um, yeah, I, I, you know, Syracuse has always had a reputation of either they either underachieve or they overachieve, and uh, there's really no gray area. Uh, when they should be winning, they don't win, and when they shouldn't be winning, they win. And that's Syracuse basketball. So, you you live and die by that.
0: Father, if someone wanted to reach out to you after watching this and listening to this on the podcast, what, what would they, where would they go?
1: Um, in term in terms of what the like, church they, or Syracuse, yeah. Syracuse,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They want to pick your knowledge on Syracuse sports. Where would they go? Um, where, where could they find you on Facebook? On uh LinkedIn? Uh, yeah, fa-
1: Facebook. Yeah. Facebook. Absolutely. Yeah. Facebook would be the best way. I have a LinkedIn account. I have a Facebook account. Um, I have Instagram, but I tend to, my platform, I tend to use the most is Facebook.
0: Father, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. I was, I learned a lot about what's ahead for the Catholic church and I'm excited to get, honestly, I'm excited to get to church next Sunday. So good. I I appreciate your time, David. I want to let you, just to let you know, I became a father I became a Catholic under Father Jeff and his uh and, and his guidance as I was getting ready to uh, become Paul Weir's son Theo, uh, God's father.
1: Yeah and jo- Josh thought he was Catholic it was pretty funny <laughs> I said give me My your mouth. baptism certificate Josh and, and you weren't I said okay Josh we got a little more work to do than initially thought here but we'll uh we'll get you there so
0: And i learned a ton i really did i really did josh is doing a great job with theo too (laughs) yes Uh, father jeff i have a theo story for you at some point we'll talk off air it's a it's 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 golf related it really is so good Good. so i'll touch base soon david you want to take us out
2: yep um just want to thank father jeff for coming on today everybody please remember in order for us to grow this and have these great interviews, please subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Google Play, on Anchor, whatever you might be listening to this podcast on because your subscriptions will really help us grow our brand. And thank you for listening today.
0: Thank you, Father.
1: You're welcome. Thank you.